Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. Why are you saying it so slow? Because I'm hearing myself in my headphones. Okay, well, don't do that. I can't. I can't. I can't well, pull, unhear myself. Pull an, pull an ear off but or that, something. But that's just it. But then I can't hear you our can guests. You can still hear. Oh, don't worry about it. Don't talk about the guests yet. You're blowing I'm, t- I'm not trying to okay. blow it out of the water, but I'm hearing myself right here, and okay. it's weird. Well, listen, I'm not going to let you talk if you're going to be all delayed. I'm you sound, not to you be sound delayed. like you think slow, and it's not good. Oh, well. Don't, that too I'm far, not, Joe. Too like far. Why is that too far? Too slow, Joe. Okay. Um, we are hanging out at the church on a Saturday morning, and uh, wow, you know what? It's been, it's been like. It's week 23 of Jen being gone. Did you say week 20? Week 23, yeah. Week 23? Yeah, she left like, seven days ago. No, it's longer than that. No, it's, it's not. definitely longer. Eight well, days. Okay, so yeah, exactly. Eight days. In the second week Eight now. Eight days. And uh, so, yeah, I've tried to cook dinner. I've ruined every dinner. Mm. That has not now, been did, are, Hold on. Aren't these dinners that Jen prepared ahead of time? So you ruined what she already did all the yeah, prep Yeah, I don't think she did it right. She, 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 she says, like, okay, here, I'll give you an example. Okay. She'll say, like, hey. Uh, I made the stew. All you got to do is put it in the slow cooker for a few hours, and boom, it'll be ready. I'm like, cool. So I come yeah, home. Yeah, that's very kind and generous. Oh, it's very of, kind, but she did it wrong Jen. because I get home and uh, I'm like, okay, so it's time to make dinner. Mm-hmm. So I go and I'm like, where's the stew? Oh, it's in the freezer. So I get it out of the freezer, and it's in a bowl. Like it's like the size of like the basket Moses was in. Okay, it's this huge <laughs> bowl, and it's frozen solid. And there, I, how am I going to get that in the slow cooker? The slow cooker is smaller than the big frozen bowl. Well, you let it defrost. Well, and okay, then you but put it's it dinner. In. I got. I only got a little bit. I got like two hours. No, but see, that's why she you didn't should say defrost ahead of time. She didn't say. How did you not she put shouldn't it say defrost. Before you start she didn't your say day, defrost. You take it out, she just said put it throw it in the slow cooker. And that's all you got to do. But she didn't say it. Thing, how am I supposed to make? And then it's ready to go. Oh, I'll tell you what. Then the next that I just did forget that, and then we went out and spent a bunch of money. And then the next time she said, "Oh, I got spaghetti. All you got to do is thought. All you got to do is cook, heat up the spaghetti sauce. Easy peasy. And and then I can and I can cook spaghetti. I know how to boil noodles. Never forget it. So mom's spaghetti. And then I um I but she put the 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 sticking spaghetti sauce in this bag. It's this huge. It's like the size of a dog pillow for a German shepherd. It's this big bag, frozen. It's flat and it's square. And how like I don't have a bowl big enough to set the bag in to thaw it out in hot water. So I, I so I take a big kitchen knife, right? The kind that like Michael Myers uses to stab people in Halloween. Mm-hmm. I got this big kitchen knife and I start stabbing it, like I'm just trying to break it into chunks so I can um, put it in the microwave. So I'm stabbing it and, and then I break the knife in half in there. You really broke the knife. I did, and so I just you threw the whole thing away because there might be knife. I might have thought I might have thrown the whole thing away. Of course, and I got and I might have got angry and and I, I would have thrown it away out of safety. And then, and then you know what? I, I just I, you went I, and got pizza. No, I just said, you know what? Everybody, you're on your own. Don't care. So mom and dad, we take care of my mom and dad. Uh, I was like, yeah, you guys, I'm just not cooking. So, yeah. No eating tonight. No eating tonight for you guys. I was in a bad mood. I don't but, know why you don't plan ahead. Well, here's the thing. You know what she should have done? Hungry man. All, all I did is hungry man and pizza puffs. And that'd be great. I can do that? You know, I, I agree with you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I agree with you. All right. So anyway. Next time, Jen, take care of him properly. Try and do it right. Okay. All right. So, um. On our bonus episodes, right, we, we like to release these uh, when we can, and lately um, we've taken the opportunity to discuss the statement on social justice and the gospel, put up by John MacArthur, Tom Askell, uh, mm-hmm. Juicy Boosie, yep. all those guys. And um, 
And so we did an episode on that. If you guys haven't heard that, we'll link to that in the show notes. Go and listen to our take on it. Um, we tried to be fair and we tried to, you know, give the benefit of doubt to the people who, who wrote it. Um, but we, we're not going to sign it. Uh, we have problems no. with it. Uh, there's a lot that it says that we love and think is beautiful. Um, but then we interviewed Tom Askell, a friend of ours, who uh, helped to craft it. And we just asked him a lot of questions, letting him explain the rationale, the motives, uh, and his Trying thinking. to have a conversation. Right, because there's, there's not a lot of that. No. People just, people be yelling. Oh, man. The, the, the line is drawn in the sand. Right. And you got idiots on both sides. sides. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a whole bunch of chatter. Not a lot of talking. So this time, uh, so we thought, like, well, let's get somebody on who is a critic of the statement, uh, somebody who is super smart. Super smart. Somebody who is very articulate. Mm-hmm. And super white. Uh, yeah, we, needed a, we, needed, we only interview white guys. That's our thing. That's our thing. <laughs> but, you know, people are going to ask that, well, like, why? And I know we kind of addressed it a little bit in the last right, episode. Right. But for those that are jumping in now, why don't you go ahead and give the rationale and the discussions we've had with others? All right. So the, there are a couple of reasons why we have Joel on and, and not somebody else. The reason we have Joel on is because he was one of the more articulate critics of the statement. Um, very thorough, I thought. Very thoughtful. Um, now, we had actually planned on having some, you know, we, we had a couple of options in terms of friends that we know. We don't know Joel, but we have these friends that we thought, like, you would be, you're, you're, you have a really good take on it. Why don't we bring you on to share? Yeah. And these are African-American friends. And they actually said, you know what, consider bringing on uh, another white person simply because you had a white person on speaking for it. Um, if you bring on a black person speaking against it, it could fuel in the minds of some. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a, a white black issue. Like, yes. So black people, minorities are going to be. They, as soon as people started bringing that up, I'm like, like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes okay. sense. And Jimmy's much more comfortable talking to white people, anyways. So because uh, I think white, I'm, I'm the safe brown guy. <laughs> so <laughs> you are. You are. What, what does your friend call you? Brown bear. Brown bear. Yeah, because yes. you're because you're very cuddly. All right. So we are talking to Joel McDermott, Doctor Joel. Um, he is the president of American Vision. Um, he's written a ton of books, more than 20, uh, books like uh, Restoring America One Country at a Time, The Bible and War in America, mm. Biblical Logic in Theory and Practice. Hey, Dr. Joel, how big were those books? Were those real Why books? You, okay, or th- were they Joe thorne size pamphlets? Combination of both, actually. Mm. Yeah. See, and he's got a PhD. Yeah, but what he wrote, what he wrote with his PhD was bigger. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, listen, Joel, uh, don't don't step on the intro, Jimmy. I'm, not, I'm just saying, Joel, were there staples inside your uh, I don't have books, staples Joel? in my books. My books. My I've books. never published anything that was stapled. Oh. Neither have I. Oh. And Jimmy, oh. the ones that, that is because uh, print-on-demand stuff is so advanced now. You, don't have <laughs> you just boom. <laughs> and, and ultimately, the reason we wanted to bring on Joel is because he has a sweet beard. And, um, Fantastic. You know, uh, uh, Tom, friend of ours, you know, he's got the goatee. You know, it's a little 1990s youth pastory. Uh, Tom, uh, get the beard going. Yeah, but no one, thankfully, has the Stetzer whatever oh, yeah, that we is. yeah, we can only talk about what that is. Um, <laughs> all right, so, Joel, again, thank you for taking the time on a Saturday. We know, uh, like everybody else, you're very busy, and you don't really know us. You know you know a little bit maybe about us, but um, thank you for making the time. We really appreciate you sitting down with us mm, to talk about this. Appreciate you. It's my pleasure, and I just want to take over here for a second because I think— Maybe we shouldn't spend this time speaking about social justice. Okay. Mm. After listening to your banter back and forth mm. before at the beginning of the show, right? We need to spend an episode or three on teaching young men how to cook. 
<laughs> well, I, I would agree that you need to teach uh, men who aren't going to get married how to cook. But no, the one thing that the Bible, men, no, I, especially I, married I, men. I feel like I feel like the the Bible's pretty clear on mm. this. Like you know, the the woman does Preach all the it, cooking. Joel. Preach and, it, Joel. And uh, uh, here's Rebuke the, this, Joel. Brother. Listen, let's make it worse. Hey, Joel, I haven't done laundry in 21 years of marriage, and uh, Jen's been gone for a week. I still yeah. haven't. Done. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Because, you know, underwear, you can turn it inside well, out. Well, just so we have some balance on the biblical thing there, okay? <laughs> the resurrected Jesus cooked yes. his own fish. He wasn't married. On the shore. Mm, burn. For all the disciples were there. Nobody's <laughs> yeah. wives were there to cook for them. Right, Nobody had a right. sack lunch, okay? Okay. Well, in my glorified state, I'm sure that I will be able to cook, Joel. Burn. <laughs> Joel, don't even bring your PhD nonsense to my way. I'm too big. I love, I love that you're like, he wasn't married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Joel. L- well, listen. Um, th- this statement that has come out. Uh, wow, it has. Um, it, well, it's done a lot. It's actually yeah. generated a lot of heat. Um, I don't. I don't know how helpful it's been. Uh, I tend to not see the way that it's designed as um, as a super helpful tool. But um, I, I. I wanted. Maybe you could. Maybe you could start us off by summarizing the statement for people. Maybe the people are tuning in. Um, we're actually getting some new listeners now um, based on the this, this subject. And so um, maybe you could just summarize this statement on, the social, on social justice and the gospel in the best possible way. Just say, like, here's, here's the, 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 the best possible light. You could summarize the statement itself, what it's all about. Okay. I, in the best possible light, I would say, would be in the best possible view of what their intentions were. Mm-hmm. And I think Correct. their intentions were to stop a lot of the more radical statements that have been made in the general Reformed and Reformed Baptist circles about race and some other issues, gender and sexuality, which that's one of my problems with the document is it puts all those together. But they want to stop some of those more radicals as they see them of people who would say this is a gospel issue and leave that so undefined that it would I could see certainly cause confusion for people who think, wait, 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 if, if I'm not doing what you say I should do for black people mm-hmm. or for transgender people or whatever, that I am failing in preaching the gospel or mm-hmm. something of that nature. So that there is a kind of a, a work or some new qualification that's been added to what the Bible teaches the gospel is. And so I could see that as, a, a radical departure and a, a some of the more fringe statements that have been made. Mm. And I think these guys were saying that this is invading the church and we need to nip this in the bud and we need to write a statement that says that's unacceptable. Here's mm. what the gospel is. And anybody tries to add to this is bringing in legalism to the church um, and, and things like that. I think that's what the intentions were. Okay. And I, uh, again, just trying to summarize the document, not getting into criticism yet, but I would say it, it didn't succeed in doing that. And I think in doing that, it allowed some of those more extreme statements, which are, there are few of them. There's not a lot. There are a few. And some of those more extreme elements, like what's behind Revoice. Letting those few things stand as representative of quote unquote social justice. I think mm. that's where the problem comes in. But I think the core idea of protecting the gospel, 
from additions to it is a good one. Mm-hmm. And That's so super fair. You know, my my response that I wrote on American Vision was five thousand words. It was already way right. too long for an article. I had no idea that a five thousand word article would go viral the way it did. But you know, I I, I only got to get to three or four of the nine objections mm-hmm. I listed. And the last two are the ones that are actually quite important, that what the document seeks to condemn can be condemned in better ways. And the right. fundamental principles that the document upholds, that what I just outlined as a summary, the protecting of the gospel, can be protected better by other statements. So that that's kind of one of my big concerns. And so I think there's a core in that document that is a really good idea. I just think they went about trying to execute that idea in a very poor way that's done far more damage than it could have done good. Well, that's that's actually really helpful. And we want to talk about you know, over, like your, your critiques of this. Um, and we're going to actually want to clarify a few things with you because of some of the pushback that we're getting from people who are, yeah. who are um, for the statement are essentially calling people who reject the statement, um, you know, anti-gospel, if not just, well, either unclear on the gospel, confused about the gospel, if not anti-gospel and all of this. So Joel, just for clarity, um, I know this, this, I know you won't find it offensive, but um but it, it should, we shouldn't have to do this, I feel like, uh, knowing you uh, and what you believe. But could you just clarify for everybody, what is the gospel? Yeah. I mean, since they're, they're, they're making this accusation, like, hey, these people are unclear about the gospel. Why don't you go ahead and explain to everybody what the gospel is, and then we'll get into some of your critiques. Mm-hmm. The basic core, nutshell, stripped-down version of the essential of the gospel is uh, that we are saved by faith alone. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's not the single slightest hair's breadth of a work that factors into salvation. There is no other criteria whatsoever other than your faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And that is a work of God in us, as Paul tells us in Philippians right. 2. Um, but I am one of those people who, when you quote Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. That goes on and reads verse 10 as well. And that is that we are saved unto good mm-hmm. works, which he has before ordained that we walk right. in them. And I, I believe that good works are the necessary outflowing from true salvation so that there is an organic connection between the two of them. You can't confuse the works with the gospel. Right. But you can't separate the works from the work of the gospel mm-hmm. also. So uh, that's the basics of it. So I, I don't know who's making these accusations. I can see where they may make it about this or that person here or there, sure. like I said earlier, the, the really radical statements. But if they were saying that about me, um, well, first of all, if you know anybody who said that about me, send them to right. me because I'd like to talk mm, to them. With your fists. <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna you'll, you'll take out the beard of justice. I, got, I was never that athletic, so I got over fists a long time ago, and I learned that lawyers. Are <laughs> there will be a cease and desist letter coming for you. Uh, I won't name anybody. All right. Well, listen. What, what I find no, is, is, is interesting here, especially with your critique, is that you are a guy that's known 
to speak about issues of justice, yeah. of of you know actively pursue you know the the active outworking of our faith, the the implications of salvation. Like you are one of those guys that, that talks about those things, and yet you're a critic of this statement. So maybe we could just start to walk through some of your 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 biggest concerns or critiques of the statement and why you think it falls short of being helpful to the church. Well, absolutely. If you stop, start, I'm sorry, at the top of my list, and you can find the article on AmericanVision.org. Yeah, we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes for everybody. The statement of the justice, uh, statement on social justice and the gospel. That first line is that the document leaves crucial terms undefined. Mm-hmm. I find that one of the biggest things there, okay, because the introduction to the uh, document is making statements like these, you know, terrible errors that are creeping into the church, danger to the church, uh, almost language of damnable heresy. And mm-hmm. as you just said, people are using the language of heresy. And certainly some of the articles John MacArthur wrote say yeah. this is the greatest danger he's seen to the church in, in the 20th well, That's weird. Uh, he's never said anything uh, like that before. That's weird yeah. that he would say that. Yeah. I, well, and that's I mean, you would think for as long I as he's mean, been around, I mean, he's seen quite a bit among dispensationalists. I think that comes mm. with this, but that's a whole right, right. other discussion. Uh, so, if you're going to make those kinds of warnings, and then you come out with a phrase "social justice," mm-hmm. and you don't define that anywhere in the document, right? And I can show you in the Reformed Christian Reconstruction tradition I'm a part of where that phrase has been used to mean very biblical things. Right. I can show you in other traditions where that word is used to mean very biblical things. And it does have a mundane meaning. meaning. But it also has the liberal social gospel baggage. Mm-hmm. So you need to define up front what you're talking about. You can't just condemn the whole thing wholesale. Yeah. And then go out and point to the more radical elements and the few mistakes that are made, or or really, it was tweets. Like if you take a tweet from a guy like Anthony Bradley, okay, right, he can say some really crazy thing. Yeah, but I mean, if I stop and think about his context, where he's coming from, I can interpret that charitably enough to say, okay, I can see what he's saying here, and not mm-hmm. accuse him of heresy, even though on the surface it sounds like heresy, and. You know, I don't see that happening from these guys. Right. And then, so if you write an undefined document like this with the damnations hanging on it, and then mm. go point to a statement like that that's interpreted in a negative light and say, here's the reason why this is creeping into the church. Well, I'm, there's, there's a whole lot of imbalance going on here, to quote cool. James yeah. White, okay? <laughs> imbalance. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I, I need to see definitions. I mean, I, I do tend to be more on the scholarly side of things in my work. So that's the first thing I look for when yeah. people are writing, especially when you're going to write a document that draws lines of division between people in the church. Right. So where are the definitions at? And then that's mm-hmm. not just social gospel. There were other words in there like intersectionality right. that uh, I have a problem with. And then even a word like radical feminism. Well, mm-hmm. I don't believe in radical feminism, and I think most of what's come out of it is is dangerous or damaging. 
Nevertheless, when I read modern church history, even, I see things like, uh, you know, for example, you can go back to Robert Dabney and some of the early 20th century theologians Mm -hmm. spoke of radical feminism as including women's suffrage. Right. Okay. So I, I can say, does this document, is it condemning women's suffrage also? Well, they would say, well, of course not. That's not our context and whatnot. Well, okay. But you got a document that's drawing lines of division between the church. Yeah. Define your You terms. have to define that stuff up front. That's on you, not on me. So, and I think the the, the kind of the, the escape hatch has been well, you know, a statement like this doesn't afford opportunity for us to get you know into the details of these definitions. But this was one of our concerns: is like mm-hmm. you, much more needs to be said. You know, you're going to have one article on this issue. What we need are twenty thousand words on this issue. Yeah, and the uh, reason I don't accept clear. that excuse from them is because since the document came out, they've been writing and publishing a series of articles on the same website. And every one of those articles speaks the same way and makes the same errors. Uh, Samuel Say's article on social justice, trying to link it to the Nazis. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just inexcusable behavior. Right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Hitler one time or t- more than one time, who cares, said the phrase social justice in his program. Okay. Does that mean everybody who uses the word social justice is a Nazi? Of course yeah, not. Exactly. And he wouldn't argue that, but he doesn't have to. Once you make the mental association between the two, your work is done, and then you move on. And I don't see the kind of careful discussions that make careful distinctions and definitions taking place in the spaces where those guys have provided for themselves to do that very work. Instead, they're doing just the opposite. They're making it worse, driving the wedge of the division worse, and trying to entrench themselves in you know, in the, in what they've done with their documents. So to me, there's unnecessary division all over the place here. And it could be healed if we sat down and had a discussion. You know, this document mm-hmm. allegedly came out of a group of these guys who met in Dallas or Fort Worth or something and right. sat down and hashed out their concerns. Well, you know, it would have been really great if they would have invited Tabidi to that discussion and me to that discussion and a bunch Mm -hmm. of other people who have, who are evangelicals, who are Bible believing evangelicals Mm -hmm. and yet disagree with them or have a different perspectives. Why, why, why so? And then write the document. So anyway, go ahead. I was gonna say like, so like things that you've said, you know, they, you're saying them better than what we've said, but we, this is a, this is a push among a a seeming uh, small group who are saying, let's actually talk about it. Let's not yeah. talk about talking yeah. about it. Let's actually talk about it. Let's get in the room and try to work it out. And I don't, and so even for people that are saying that they want to do that, I don't see a lot of people trying to do it. Why, yeah. why the, the, the resistance, the, mm-hmm. why, why the apparent resistance, or at least from my estimation, the, the apparent fear of bringing people into the room to discuss on record these issues, especially when you know somebody like the BD is a brother a good brother, a strong brother, a gospel brother. Why? Why? Why not? Why, why, what's the resistance? Yeah, I mean, I can't answer that for them. I, I do know that the document in its introduction says that this is supposed to lead to a closer examination of the issues. That's their phrase, closer examination. And I'm with you. I don't see that happening. I don't see questions being asked. 
I mean, if you're going to try to address these issues at all, don't you need to ask questions? Don't you need to listen yeah. to people? That was the greatest thing I learned, I think, in my study on the slavery and racism in America when I wrote the book, mm -hmm. The Problem of Slavery in Christian America, is you've got, we've got to learn to shut up and listen. And, you know, mm -hmm. like you had, there was this, I forget the name of the conference a year or two ago. Um, I even forget where it was. I think it was St. Louis. And it was on race. And if you were, it was, it was for kind of creating a black space for black voices in the evangelical church. And if you were a white person who wanted to attend, you had to go through a course for white mm -hmm. people to listen to blacks. And people were furious over this. You know, this is reverse racism right. and all that stuff. And I looked at it and I'm like, I don't mind that a bit. I, I don't consider it. We had the same response. I consider it uh, my duty to have my only debt be love to my brothers who have for 100 plus years suffered discrimination and whatnot. And we don't even mm -hmm. know what that feels like. <laughs> One of you joked before the this recording started that you this uh -oh. was about white uh -oh. privilege, right? <laughs> and and, <laughs> and like they're going to put me on the spot. And that's a fine joke. But the truth is, I, I don't like the phrase white privilege. But white privilege is nothing more than freedom and love. And what the, the reason that looks like a privilege is because other people don't have that fully the way we do. So mm. we don't have to worry about it. Like, we've we've yeah. said that before. Like, depending on how, this is why definitions yeah. matter. Yeah. Like, I, I to, to deny that white privilege exists can be like the like utter mm -hmm. folly if you're defining it in, in a, I think in a good way, in a healthy way. Um, and then you could define it in in a in a much more narrow way, in a much more specific way. Then it might be folly to say, well, I agree, I believe in white privilege at least from our perspective. Um, and so I I love what you just said because I think that's a really fair reading. Of yeah, it's yeah, white privilege Joe, um, is a relative privilege. It's not a privilege mm -hmm. that we don't deserve. It's a privilege that everybody deserves and some people don't have. So mm. uh, that's the way I look at it. It's a relative freedom in society. And if you've never experienced discrimination, uh, you can't dismiss it. You know, I have plenty of friends right. now. And, and I, I be honest with you, I don't spend time in the inner cities. I don't spend a lot of time with mm -hmm. uh, people of, of different races or ethnicities. Uh, but I listen to them and I've read quite a bit enough mm. to know about it, particularly in the criminal justice system. But if you're, uh, you know, I was talking to my friends, I wanted to come visit him in the inner city in Jacksonville. I said, you know, line me out on the culture so i understand what i'm walking into what's different he's like well if you're mm -hmm. you're okay if you're by yourself but if you're a white person in a car with a black guy you'll probably get pulled over because they'll think it's a drug deal and the course of the cops aren't accountable if they're wrong so and he he lined me through several scenarios like that if it's two or three black guys on a street corner you'll probably get stopped if uh, you know if, if it's this scenario you'll get stopped so, you know, we don't experience that. If, if you and I drive right. down the road, you know, maybe with our beards and whatnot, we look rough enough, we might get pulled over. I don't know. But if two white people get in the car <laughs> and drive down the road or park by the curb in the city, the cops aren't going to come bother us because they think it's a drug deal. 
you know, we don't experience yeah. that. Yeah, so, I, I, but, but their problem is we don't listen to the people who do experience it and we dismiss their experience as, oh, you're making stuff up. You're exaggerating. Jim Crow's over. Civil Rights Act happened. Mm -hmm. We're all colorblind now. Well, no, it's not true. And we don't listen. We need to listen more. And a document like this is not about listening. It's about closing doors, drawing lines, and not inviting people to the table who need to be at the table. So, Joel, as, Joel, as I look at this document, or not the document, sorry, your response uh, to the document, uh, number four sticks out to me. And I'm wondering if you could expand upon that and, and really kind of uh, flesh out your thoughts. Number four was... Uh, of one of your concerns, the document marginalizes Christian social responsibility. Absolutely. Now, marginalizes in, in hindsight, maybe a little too strong a word, but the, uh, the mm -hmm. idea of making it so secondary, again, this document, mm -hmm. like many theological movements in the past, is about protecting something. And when you're making that your core concern, you risk overprotecting something to the exclusion or minimalization of something else. In this case, they're so concerned about protecting the gospel from any kind of mm -hmm. uh, works addition to it that they almost relegate works to, you know, kind of second-class Christianity. Yeah, almost okay. optional. That's, that's a great word. It sounds optional. And it's not. It is organic, integral to the Christian life, not just the good works that flow from you personally, but also the social aspects of it. And of course, from my perspective, that involves all social aspects, law, government, economics, you name mm -hmm. it. Uh, so in saying we need to protect the gospel, and it sounds very much like they're saying we need to protect the gospel specifically in the pulpits. They're saying we need to preach the gospel and not social issues. And it does, to be fair, the document doesn't say don't preach social issues, but it sounds like that's where it's going. Yeah. And then when I see that what flows out of it as far as articles and and the and when I listen to the pulpits of most of the people involved, you never hear social issues. You'd never hear the biblical concern or the biblical values for social issues in very rare cases. So, you know, that's, that's part of my problem is in trying to get rid of these, the few problems and the, the few real problems that this document's dealing with. It's the classic phrase, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And, and in reality, mm -hmm. even if the document doesn't do that itself, it's providing cover for an entire church tradition that always has done that and always will do that. And that's why I said, sure. you know, one of the more radical things I think more people objected to was I said, this is a document the old slave owners could have signed. And some people said, well, look at this yes. statement on racism. Look at that statement. They couldn't have signed that. And that's not really the point. The point is you're creating a separation between the preaching of God's word and the application of God's word in society to such a degree that even guys who are doing things that aren't biblical are never going to hear that from the pulpit. They're never going to be challenged by the word of God because they won't hear it from their preachers. And that was the, what kept the South going. And in many ways, the United States 
issues with slavery and racism going for years, right. decades, centuries, mm -hmm. because the, the leadership, both politically and ecclesiastically, were constantly saying, this is not a Bible issue. This is a social issue. This is a political issue. And it's not the pulpit's job to do that. With this, the pulpit's job is spiritual only. So let's preach the gospel and leave everything else to God's providence. And I see this document doing a very similar thing. So, and that that startles me. And when you consider the origins of the document with, with uh, John MacArthur and his dispensational view, which is both a social view and an eschatological view, it's a view of eschatology and of God's law, that really concerns me. And when I see a bunch of guys who are historic pre-mill or all mill, all jumping on the same idea, it's to me, it's the 19th century all over again, and really the early 20th century as well. So I want to avoid that, and I want people to take Christian social responsibility very seriously. One of the one of the you know areas of common ground that I I find with um, some of the endorsers of this statement. And I, I, maybe maybe you agree with this. Maybe you'll push back on this. Um, but we say quite a bit here um, at Redeemer that the mission of the church mm -hmm. is 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 narrow. Um, the responsibilities of the church are more broad. And so we would say that the mission of the church is to make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like this is the mission that God has given the church. It is something that only the church can do. It is no no other institution can do this. It's only the church. Um, the mission of the church, we would say, is not to eradicate racism um, uh, as an institution. We, of course, speak to that issue, and as Christians, we, we work against that issue. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to have a prophetic voice. Is, there, is, is that a fair thing to say, that the, that the mission of the church is not fundamentally to, 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 um, to do these good works or these works of mercy— um, but it is a responsibility of the church. Or would you, would you say that's fair, not fair? How would you interact with that perspective? Well, I think that you're getting at something that's important. I'm, I might think about it and spend some time on what words I used and defined. But I, I think I, I see what you're getting at, and I mostly agree with it. Church is one thing I would take time to define. Mm -hmm. Are we talking about church as in what we are when we come together corporately on Sundays to, to preach? and the work of that and the official ministries of that as elders, deacons, etc. That's what I'm thinking. Or are about. we talking about church as the body of Christ in all times and in all places? Right. Because and again, the word mission I don't think is a word that's used in scripture to make those distinctions. So I got it, it's something I'd want to think about. The that's fair. The, the church even even the great commission as you just quoted you only quoted part of it. It was to preach to observe disciples yeah. of all nations to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things I have commanded you. Right, right. Well, un under that heading is where my ministry lays. Mm -hmm. It it is uh, taking all of the commandments of Christ of the Bible and applying them to all areas of life. So I see that also as part of the mission of the right. church. But yeah, again, totally, you're getting into these fine distinctions, and that's that's the weeds for this larger discussion. Yes. But no, I don't want anybody to hear, and say, hear me say that and see, well, there he goes. He's confusing the works and the gospel. 
no, not at all. My point is that they're organic, really related, and it's all mm -hmm. part of what the body of Christ in all times and in all places is called to do. And I, I kind of emphasize that without ever departing from my definition of what the gospel is. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I would follow you in the point you're making, and it is, it's the responsibility of the church, and you mm -hmm. can't escape that. I, I see the realities speak, spoken of in Revelation 21 and 22 as something that's already in progress. So that when it says that, uh, you know, basically this, the new Jerusalem, that's our home. That's our, our light. It's our shelter. It's our rest. It's our power in the Holy Spirit. And the uh, mission of that given in Revelation 22 is that the leaves of the tree of life were for the healing of the nations. Mm. I see that as a, as a broader mission. And if you want to call mm -hmm. that mission or responsibility, it doesn't matter to me. Right. But the preaching of the word is the way that's done. I think where I would disagree with a lot of the people who liked my article, and this is very interesting, and this is another part of the discussion also, is where the lines are drawn. The people who tend to be conservative or very conservative when it comes to the doctrine of inspiration and the doctrine of the church and the protection of the gospel, they all tend to be on one side. Most of the people who loved my article the most tend mm -hmm. to be a little more toward the neo-evangelical and mm -hmm. you might say, um, what's the word, kind of neo-Kyperian side sure. of things. And they don't mind a little government socialism in there, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. They yeah. don't mind this government program to help the poor and the marginalized. They don't mind. They want everyone to feel the burn. Okay. <laughs> so so that in in the broader scheme of things, this the line between these two sides and the church is also the line politically. And I also often wonder sometimes if maybe the political is not driving the document to begin with. It feel and it does feel that way. That's where my ministry comes in differently because the law of God cuts evenly across those parties in many ways. And the, the, the statements are the, the, the mission of the political left, at least of the way it's stated, to help the poor, the, the needy and whatnot. You'll hear the neo Kyperians and the socialists in the evangelical world, like Jim Wallace, Ronald Sider, and those guys. Mm -hmm. You'll hear them quote those verses from Scripture all the time. And, and my difference with them would be, no, that's supposed to be the work of the church and voluntary in all of this stuff. And the, the fellows on the other side that wrote this document would agree with that. But my problem with them is they don't go on and develop the social work voluntarily. It, through the church, through the body of Christ. They just then forget about it and live in their little make America great reality, reality, you know, mm -hmm. political reality. So, uh, and, and I'm not saying they're all Trump supporters. Don't get me wrong. The, the sure. point is that we kind of forget. We, we do what's necessary politically to keep the socialists at bay. Th then we just go back and live our own lives as individuals and we don't take care of the poor and the widow and the orphan. I say this all mm -hmm. the time. Timothy in, or I'm sorry, Paul in 1 Timothy 5, I believe, commands the church to have a welfare program for the widows in the church. This is a financial 
welfare, day-to-day mm-hmm. living right. program for the widows in the church. How many churches have that? This is not a suggestion on Paul's part. Right. You know, this wasn't, it would be nice if we did this. He commands them mm-hmm. to do this, put them on the roll, and he gives criteria and all that kind of stuff. No church and has it's interesting. That Maybe it's interesting. Well, we do, but um, <laughs> at Redeemer, we have a really robust benevolence ministry that supports people in need. Right, but, right, right, right. No, uh, every church can say we have a benevolence ministry. How many of them have a permanent care program for the elderly in their church? And every church that I, I know would say something, and there are exceptions, of course, there are always exceptions. Yeah, mm-hmm. the vast majority of churches would say, Well, that's what the state has this program for that. And I, th- all that does oh, is that, empower the yeah. left, right? And that, and that's I mean this is this is this is my point, right? Yeah. Is you know the 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 small number of churches that that actually do this, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know I've been a part of churches that support um, like one, the, the the church that gave birth to this church mm-hmm. um, supported for years uh, a woman who was abandoned by her husband financially, paying her rent, mm. um, you know, getting her education. Like this is something that we actually really believe in. Great, um, wonderful, and and and. Part of the reason we believe in it is because we're not leftists, you know, politically, but we are biblical in our understanding. At least yeah. we try to be biblical. So, like a lot of these people who would say, like, "Hey, we got to keep the socialism at bay." Okay, that good. The church, though, is supposed to be the one doing these works, especially in house for their people. Mm-hmm. So, what are we actually doing? I think that's a really fair. Um, uh, I, think right. a, I think that's a really fair And I'd critique. go a step yeah. further now because the, the argument then circles back around. If you really press this argument on most of these churches that are doing this, they will circle back around and say, no, the church's mission is spiritual. It's not right, supposed right. to be the same. Mm. So uh, that's, that's a real yeah. problem, I think. That's a real no, problem. absolutely. And, and Joel, as I, as, as I continue on on this, there's one thing that we've been talking about is about uh, – maybe the statement is drawing a line in the sand. It's kind of my way or the highway. And I think you touch on this uh, when you look at number five, the statement and its theology provide no alternative. So are you, is it, is that kind of the direction you're going where, where it's my way, you know, perceived as those that wrote the statement is my way or the highway. What is or their are way? You saying, or, or, or are you saying it's because they're, they're just not giving a full picture of possibilities. Yeah, it's both. Uh, under the point five, there they're providing no alternative. It's the, mm-hmm. they don't take care of the issue, and it leaves a vacuum. And the vacuum's usually filled by leftists, political leftists, and mm-hmm. there's a significant number of those in the church these days. And they don't see anything wrong with it. So my job is fighting on two fronts. You know, I have to fight mm-hmm. the doctrine of the people who buy into political leftism. And I have to fight the inaction of the people who don't. Mm. But even among the people who don't, they buy into political leftist socialism when they send their kids to public schools, which is, again, almost across the board. Maybe maybe in your Reformed Baptist circles, it's a little closer to private and homeschooling, but still significant amount of people use the public sure. education system. That is by far the biggest socialistic institution in the nation. So, they don't provide an alternative, yes, and, and in, they're also in bed in socialism in many ways themselves. Um, I have articles of this on our website, and it's a phenomenon I call my socialism is okay. You know, if, as long as mm. everybody's doing it and most Republicans are 
conservatives do it, then we'd, we'd just turn a blind eye to that. But when the political leftist right. speaks up and says, hey, we need a welfare program to take care of the poor and the needy. Oh, no, that's socialism. Mm. We can't do that. So yeah. anyway, but the document also provides no alternative mm -hmm. is is where the inaction takes place. They want to critique all of what's going on out there. But OK, then how are you going to take care of the problem? And that forces them to say, okay, either we need to come up with an alternative or it forces mm -hmm. them to admit they're just dismissing the problem altogether as if it doesn't exist. And that's where they're going to get in trouble well, because it's demonstrable. They're, they're, some of them say that. Yeah, cr yeah, critiquing and not uh, offering a solution is what you're saying. Exactly. But some of them are actually, some of them are, I mean, some people, uh, get, they get pretty close to saying racism ain't no thing. Absolutely. You know what I mean, like some people back to what we were saying earlier really... about about white privilege and those other issues is the mm -hmm. we, we've we've grown up insulated in a world and we've allowed ourselves to believe those issues are behind us now. And you've never experienced it yourself. So obviously it can't exist. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just so fundamentally <laughs> anti-Christian. I mean, I mm -hmm. say it's anti-Christian because part of the Christian ethic is having empathy with your brother. And yet we right. don't, yeah. you know, what does Philippians two tell us? Let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was equal with God, did not consider it a thing mm. that he had to leave that behind and go come down, be incarnate in the flesh, mm -hmm. suffer unto death, even the death of the cross. Paul says, you know, by the time we get to the end of that glorious passage with every knee bowing to Christ, we forget the beginning of the passage that says, let this mind be in you. Mm -hmm. You know, that's right. the whole lesson of the part. <laughs> well, when was the last time you went to your black brother living in the inner city and said, let me enter into his condition and see what his life is like? Maybe there's a cross there I need because... to go to that I don't even know about because I yeah. live in glory. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's interesting. I think it's a really, I think that's a powerful way to put it. Um, you know, I, we have we have uh, friends who are minorities who live in the city, mm -hmm. and all of them can, uh, all of the ones I'm thinking of right now, anyways, uh, can, have have told me of accounts. These are Christian brothers um, who are hanging out by themselves, not even in a group, where cops roll up and want them to empty their pockets and lay on the ground. Um, you know, they, I, we have Jimmy, you know, Jimmy is brown. Okay. Mm. And, uh, when Jimmy and I are going through the airport, uh, Jimmy will get pulled aside and they get deep into his business. Uh, I don't, I don't get, even though I look like a redneck on meth, I, I don't get any trouble. Um, and famously, like I've talked about it on air. Uh, I don't know if I told the whole thing, but, uh, I was recently pulled over by a cop because I was doing 20 over. I didn't mean to be doing 20 over. Mm. I don't normally speed. Jimmy yeah. knows that, mm. but, uh, I, I definitely was speeding. Cop pulled me over. Uh, I didn't have a front license plate on because I just don't feel like putting it on. Uh, but anyway, you have to. And so I know I'm supposed to. I just I need to get. It's in the, didn't it's, have your stickers on the back. I didn't. I didn't have my registration on me. I didn't have insurance on me. You're going to get frocked. You understand that? Well, you know, I just <laughs> I'm just trying to be honest. And uh, so, like my I, I I don't I didn't. Not only did I not have the sticker for registration on my back, it was it had lapsed. I just hadn't gone and 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 done it. Yeah. And so you got like what two, three, four well, tickets. He pulled me over and he starts talking to me. And I also tell him that I have a gun under my seat. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I have a concealed carry permit. I didn't give it to him. I didn't yeah. show it to him. He goes, all right, buddy. 
Uh, yeah, all right. Well, uh, hey, sit tight for me. And he goes back, and he was a great cop. And I have cop friends, like, you know, I, I, have, a, I have a love-hate relationship with America. I have a love-hate relationship with, with any uh, institution of power because there's always going to be corruption and righteousness to varying degrees in those things. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm, uh, this, this cop goes away, and he, he comes back, and he's like, all right, well, hey, take care of your business. Yeah. And he sent me on my way. Hmm. <laughs> and I know, because listen, and I know, listen, maybe he would have done that if it was, uh, if I was black, it could have been, it, the cop could have been just the same with everybody else. So I'm not, I'm not saying that it, he, there was a problem with him. I just know that my experience is yeah, not my true. brother's experience. They have completely different um, experiences on the roadway and in those situations. Absolutely. And studies have shown this too. There've been plenty of studies done on who gets pulled over on race and ethnicity and stuff like that it's it's just it's so demonstrable it's not even funny and the anecdotes you could add on top of the studies uh, you would fill volumes right so of course it, it's it's a real thing but the problem is think about okay most of the people who have a real serious problem with this are of a slightly older demographic we're talking my age and older which i'm not slightly older by the way but the people older than me are mm-hmm. and those guys they grew up with the Red Scare. They grew up with communism mm-hmm. being the bad guy. And back in the days, let's face it, things were politically polarized. The only people who cared about blacks were the political left. And people mm-hmm. read that in the way that we are trained to do in America as left and right divide. So in, in the sense, if you were being friendly to blacks in any way, shape or form, you were a communist, okay? That's what, it, nobody would say that. But that's the way you were trained to right. think and believe, and most importantly, I think, to feel when things like this happen. So when you start seeding ground to say, well, maybe we should listen to our black brothers, or maybe we should allow this talk to be done in the church or this special course or whatever, those old guard people are trained to knee jerk emotionally, immediately say we can't allow that that's seeding ground to the communist or the left or you know we have different buzzwords today cultural marxism the mm. frankfurt school whatever mm. <laughs> we, uh, we, i've been we were called that yeah hey i think we have a, we, we have a mutual so, friend i think well, I, I always i always get his name wrong joel we have a i think we have a mutual friend i can never remember his name is it is it is it bj smalls is that uh, his name tijuana smalls? tijuana smalls is that what it Something like that. Is that some guy out there? Mm-hmm. I, I think he. I don't know. He writes uh, some. Some. He's got a. He's got a. I know he's got a. He's got a pen and a and a and a and bullpen a or something. I don't know. A bully pulpit. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so we we've been we've been called that uh, that that thing before. I know so, we're running out of time. Um, I was hoping that you could just maybe make make one more point of, of clarity for for our listeners and and for us. Um, you know, at number nine, you said that the fundamental principles the document upholds are protected better by other statements. Mm. What? What are the statements? Uh, you're maybe about? the Apostles' Creed, or <laughs> you know, <gasps> the uh, Westminster Confession Wait. of Faith. That, that's oh. eight and nine go yeah. together. The document, what the document seeks to condemn, can be condemned in better ways, and what it seeks to uphold can be protected mm-hmm. by their statements, or is protected by their statements. So, if you look, mm-hmm. if their right. fundamental goal is to protect the gospel from encroachments they right. think are legalistic whether it's from the Marxist world, whether it's race-based or homosexuality-based, whatever, doesn't matter. Those things are already protected. Just go back to the Westminster Confession of Faith. And this is what's even more interesting. If you're in the Southern Baptist Convention, or if you're in the Reformed Baptist world with the London Baptist Confession, 
you already have the tools mm -hmm. to kick out an offender. Yeah. yeah. If you've got a guy in your pulpit anywhere, they're robust, who's adding stuff to the gospel in terms of salvation or whatever, put him on trial. Take the offending statement right. and make a church trial out of it. Now, I know Baptists don't do that exactly in the same way we would do in the Presbyterian Church. But if somebody had a clear statement that, you know, if you're not white, you're not saved. Or yeah. if you're a 20th century evangelical, you're not saved Sure, if you're white. Mm -hmm. That guy would be under church discipline in no time at all. Yeah. Even in the SBC, like they, they will vote to remove churches yeah. at the annual convention yeah. if they're teaching some nutty heresy or even just yeah. a dangerous false doctrine. They'll be like that, uh, you know, like ordaining, like uh, marrying homosexuals uh, as, as a minister of the gospel um, may not be a, mm -hmm. a damnable heresy in and of itself, right? Uh, but the, the SBC no, would no. remove that church. No, yeah. from, and so from something its, like that's going convention. on. So I think that's know, it's good. It's not hard to fix with what we already have. And, and what's mm -hmm. more than likely going to happen is if you went to an Anthony Bradley or somebody else, you made some extreme statement and you said, okay, we're concerned about this statement. Would you please explain? Because, you know, we're really close to making yeah. an action about this, you know, judicially. Um, mm -hmm. He would say, no, here's what I really mean. And he might explain himself in a thousand right. words or five thousand words, whatever. And then everything yeah. would be fine. But that By the didn't way, happen with this document. Argument starts on Twitter. People no. polarize on both sides. Accusations fly. There's no attempt whatsoever at sit down and talk about this, at what the document says, closer examination. There's none of that. At least nothing serious. Instead, yeah. oh, let's go write a document and condemn the other side for using this label. That doesn't help anything. And you say, well, what I'm really trying to do is protect the gospel. Well, okay, we've got documents that already do that. Why don't we go through the proper channels? So this is why I said this is grandstanding. This is demagoguing. This is what happens when the church's true judicial channels for these types of things are not used. But instead, we go public and make a campaign about it. That concerns me just as much as anything. Well, um, one last quick question. Just just give us the, the briefest sure. of answer here. I know your time is, is valuable. We don't want to overstep it. How many phony signatures with funny names did you put on that social justice statement? Oh, you know, we know it has to be <laughs> up in the double now, digits. Joel. Don't lie, Joel. Did, you know, yeah. did you put... When I saw the first one, <laughs> I, I questioned whether I should draw attention to it or not, because I knew I'd immediately be accused of being the one that put it there. But what do they think is going to happen? I love, like, like, I think it was uh, uh, Phil Johnson or something. Like, I was shocked that people... Like, really? You live in America, right? You know that yeah. this, is what, this is what we do. People, Not that I did it. Um, I did create one in Photoshop uh, with Jimmy's name on it, but I didn't actually put his name oh, on there. Oh, gosh. Um, but, like, what do you think is going to happen, guys? Come on. You're going to have people sign yeah, it. Yeah, no, it, it provides you an opportunity <laughs> to play persecuted Christian, I guess. For a I little thought bit. it was funny. We went out and poked the LGBT hornet's nest with a stick and then acted like, oh, look what they're yeah. doing to our document. Yeah, it's your, your, it's your, your crazy. website. All right, well, listen, uh, Joel, if people want to follow you online, uh, if they want to read your stuff, we know that they can go to AmericanVision.org. How about social media? Absolutely. We're on Facebook and Twitter as the American Vision. You can find us there as well. Uh, you can find me personally on Facebook and Twitter. I'm more active personally on Twitter than what's American your what's Vision your handle? Is, but I'm not. Very what's active. your handle on Twitter? 
Uh, it's just Joel McDermott. Whoa, whoa, whoa. hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. So wait, you're, it's at Stop Joel it. McDermott? Yeah, you, believe it. You don't or not. have an underscore uh, no, or a no number numbers, in there? No underscore. I don't Weird. have one. I don't you have an underscore. You do it wrong. You got I, numbers. You got I some obscure you. number I in I there. I couldn't get Jimmy Fowler. I couldn't get yeah. okay. Jay Fowler. You could have done I couldn't get Jim Fowler. Well, you know, when I became... When I got my doctorate, people asked me, well, do we have to call you Dr. McDermott now? And I was like, well, no, that's kind of a mouthful. So mm. yeah. what, uh, what, would we, what would we call you? And I just, Dr. M sounds kind of silly. So I said, call me Dr. J. But then that was already taken. Oh, yeah, Dr. J. So Dr. DJ. So DJ. DJ. I don't know, man. <laughs> I like I don't know. I, DJ. Okay, DJ. DJ. So makes I me think Joel McDermott works. Yeah. You know? So DJs, they can follow you on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Are you on Instagram? I have an Instagram account, but I don't use it. Come on, man. Oh, get we got to see that get, beard get, more. Get on the gram. We want to see you doing selfies like at the you I know, did do. At I your put social a justice my, conferences. Me and my four boys, we made some homemade hot sauce. So I put a Ooh. picture of that up. Ooh. Like in what, but, 2015? Uh, <laughs> it was last fall. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, <laughs> uh, a little while ago. Joel, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down uh, with us. I know we can be goofy but we we really do um care about these issues mm-hmm. about this issue and we love the church and we we really do appreciate that you make hard statements you um you you work really hard to articulate in the challenge but you also clearly want to listen and i just really appreciate the things that you've said even about somebody as as controversial um, as some of the people that, you, that, that you've mentioned, uh, just you know, saying like, listen, listen to them, mm-hmm. <laughs> give them a hearing, and let's try and give each other the benefit of, of the doubt until they've actually clarified their position. Yeah. When then we can condemn. We really appreciate you um, doing this with us, and um, maybe we'll do it again. You bet, man. I look forward to it. Well, uh, you could follow us uh, online. Well, we'd love to hear other people's thoughts yeah. as well. Uh, so you can hashtag Doc and Devo or hashtag. Uh, I couldn't think of another hashtag. Well, a statement on social justice. Statement on social justice. Hashtag. hashtag white privilege. Something like that. Hashtag no, don't do that. Jimmy don't know. One. Yeah, something like that. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Dr. Devotion. You can head to the website, drdevotion.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast or hit up the store, joefostore.com. Get that and stuff. grab some gear. Get that gear. We got that 2019 Dr. Devotion conference on biblical theology. We got good. James, Dr. James Hamilton mm-hmm. coming in. We've got... Uh, Dr. J. Doug Logan, we got Phil and Jasmine. Jasmine Holmes, we've got Nick Batzig, we've got Steve McCoy, we've got Jen Thorne, and of course the Jofo will be there. So what is that? DrDevotion.com slash conference. That's it. Fresh Pod every Monday and Thursday, blog post on Wednesdays, video content when available. Later. Later.